to the Church Essentials Podcast. This is a podcast produced by the staff at Colonial Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Ben Armstrong. Thanks for joining us today for our fourth episode. Uh, Today, uh, we are going to continue our discussion on the text. Last episode, we defined what the text is. We talked about where it's found in Scripture, whether it's essential or not. Today, uh, we start a two-part podcast on how we actually use the text at Colonial Baptist Church. So um, today, we'll be talking specifically about how we use the text when it comes to preaching. Next time, uh, in part two, we're going to talk about how we use the text in preaching and training, so counseling, uh, different other areas where we equip people, we train people to use the text. But today, we're focusing just on preaching. And so to jump into this, we have a question of how do we preach the text at Colonial? So Pastor Brent, when you have a preaching opportunity on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening, whatever, you, you, you have a preaching opportunity in your mind, what are you doing, and how do you define preaching? Yeah, good question. And so what I'd like to do, Ben, to answer that is just define it quickly and then describe it, because I think there's a lot that can be done with describing it versus uh, defining. So, of course, when we use the word preaching, there's a sense in which we are all heralds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By that, I mean all believers, men and women, are to proclaim the gospel. But there's also another sense in which Preaching is the act of proclamation or expounding on Scripture in the gathered assembly. And so that's what we're talking about with preaching, that act of proclaiming Scripture and expounding on it. Um, The style uh, uh, that I'm shooting for, and I think we all shoot for here, is expositional, uh, where the the preaching content comes out of the text uh, and its its paragraph, its meaning. Um, I love a definition uh, that I think I can do no better than. Uh, it's, a, it's in a little book called Expositional Preaching by David Helm. And uh, he says that expositional preaching is empowered preaching. And it's preaching that rightfully submits the shape and the emphasis of the sermon to the shape and emphasis of the text. So I just love that because what he's saying is the, the text controls the way the sermon is presented, and the, and even the content of the sermon itself. And so then d- just describing the sermon, I would use a, f- a few words to describe it. I think our preaching, that we what we try to do here is genre-sensitive. That is, there are just a whole lot of different genres in the scripture, and we want even the presentation style of the sermon to mirror that genre. So an example there would be like a narrative sermon, and that being a little bit more inductive, like you're following the story. You're allowing the, the, the hearers to discover the story along with you, and you get to the main point at the end versus something you'd front load at the beginning of a sermon. So, you know, preaching that is genre-sensitive, argument-tracing. So we want to show how this sermon text fits in the book of Hebrews or 1 Corinthians or whatever book it is, but then we want to go bigger than that too and show how it fits within the story of Scripture and the whole canon. So preaching that's genre-sensitive, argument-tracing, and then meaning-clarifying. So uh, at any point in the sermon, I like to tell our preachers, like tell myself, someone should be able to stop you in the sermon, and they should be able to, to know what section of the passage you're commenting on. So, you know, being driven by, I want to bring clarity to the meaning of this text for the people. Hmm. That's good. Um, you know, Thomas, James, do you guys have any thoughts on what preaching is? Any descriptions to add to 
what we're talking about so far. Yeah, I think just in my uh, just some of my seminary training, training, the the description that Brent just gave about argument tracing um, has really stood out as something that I want to lean hard into when I prepare to preach. I want to understand how this line of the text relates to the one before it, and then what function it has. Is it describing a reason? Is this you know? A, is this flowing from what he just said? Where, how does it fit with what just happened and what's coming later? And if I can, if I can identify how it functions, I'm really going to get a lot closer to what he's saying. Yeah, you're, you're really tracing the author's argument yep. at, at both the micro level and then bigger, looking at the, the big arguments of the author throughout a book of Scripture. Yeah, I mean, basically what you guys have just said, it's, it's exposing the text so that we can see and understand it clearly as it was intended by the author. Yeah, I think that that sort of preaching is glorifying to God, it exalts Jesus Christ, and it changes lives. I mean, that I, I, I think that the closer we can tie our outline in our preaching, uh, our content, our sermonic propositions to the text of Scripture that we're in, I think the more likely it would be that the Holy Spirit would use that to change people's lives uh, for good. And so, you know, I'm... I'm pretty encouraged. And, and that's the sort of preaching I think that we all try to model here at Colonial. I think that's likely why some of us came. I mean, that's the one of the main reasons I came. I love the people here, but just the 25 years of it being modeled. James, I think, you know, we were talking about that. That's one of the reasons why you're here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the thing that really drew me to when I was looking at seminary and I came to Virginia Beach Theological Seminary, and also Colonial Baptist Church um, 18 years ago is Daniel Davey just clearly explaining the scripture so that as I'm listening to his sermon, I'm seeing it in the text. It's not, it's not something new or something, you know, just brilliant and witty, but it's actually in the text and he's making it come alive and I can see it right there in the text. So a good summary would be, you know, we are when we're preaching, what you mean by that is you're taking the text of Scripture and you're trying to uncover the meaning that the author had for the original audience and then explaining its relevance to us as a removed culture, you know, thousands of years later, explaining how that should apply to us, how that should change how we think about God, how we think about ourselves, how we think about the world. Yeah. Is that a... Yeah, yeah, I would say just building the argument and the logic of my sermon on the basis of the author's argument and the way he communicated to his original readers. And, you know, on top of that, then also drawing my applications off of that understanding of the author's main arguments. So do you think it's possible to, to stop before you apply a text and call that preaching? Uh, that's a that's a great question. I think preaching involves communicating not only the meaning of the text, but its importance and significance to your hearers. So I th I, I think that's an act of preaching that we shouldn't shy away from. That you're looking to help the hearers consider how this applies to their life today, you know, and, and their relationships. Awesome. Okay, so I think that's a helpful definition towards explaining how we preach the text at Colonial. Uh, so what are some types of preaching we try to avoid using, you know, James, Thomas, uh, as you guys have heard, you know, preaching here, other places? Um, what are some 
examples of preaching that we don't want to include as a way of preaching the text here at Colonial. Yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to start on that one. <laughs> I've had a I've had a sweet privilege of being able to travel a lot and be at different churches, and so I've gotten to hear a wide variety of different preaching, as as I'm sure many Christians have through radio, through online sermons or visits themselves. But um, some of the some of the preaching I've I've heard preachers self-describe themselves as expositional preaching, and mm-hmm. then I've heard them preach this way. Okay, um, yeah, and it's and, not really, and it doesn't appear or seem to be expositional. It doesn't yeah. seem to be expositional. Okay. And so uh, one style I'd, I've observed is, is what I would call springboard preaching. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's when, in an effort to stick in one text, a pastor will will pick a text and and you, you you know he'll declare the text he won't go everywhere throughout the bible he'll just stay in that one text but instead of focusing and tracing the argument of the author he uses each phrase of the text or or something that sticks out in the text to actually address something yeah, to yeah, his church yeah. that he thinks is important that may not have anything to do with the text. Sometimes it's even a key word, so it's he's not even looking word, at phrase; yeah. he's just looking at a word. And this word reminds me of this other passage. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yep, yep. yep. So, like, like, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So he'll he'll key off of you know how the Lord is a shepherd to his people, and you know, he has everything they need. Um, and and he'll you know confront something in the church and say, you know, uh, shepherds provide everything that you need. So you you all should you know submit to you know, my provision of the oh, word. You wow. don't need to go mm, elsewhere to listen to preaching. Just, you know, that sounds like my Psalm 23 sermon. You're critiquing there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it really just, re- it really just sets aside the author's purpose and instead replaces it with the pastor's purpose and kind of bringing your own agendas and hobby yeah, horses into yeah. the text. And yeah, yeah something similar to that would be, I, I think sometimes preachers uh, get in, trapped in a certain formula. They think, well, I've got to have my three points and illustrations and an application. And, it might be that that particular passage only has two points, or maybe it has four points, or y- you, you need to let the, the text speak for itself, and you can't try to, to come with these certain parameters that you're going to try to make it fit into. Yeah, that's really like the, the David Helm quote that Pastor Brent read. It submits the shape and emphasis of the, of the sermon to the shape and emphasis of the biblical text. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw on out here that I think is important to me, uh, and that is... The style of preaching we don't want to model or have as a part of our ministry at Colonial is what I just call celebrity preaching. Uh, and by that, uh, you know, our style of preaching is not dependent on any one person. Um, so this is what this sort of expositional preaching, come, you know, preaching that comes right out of the text that you can trace, you can follow the author's argument is what we expect out of any preacher who preaches here. Uh, from time to time, I use the analogy of the next man up. It's, I know it's a sporting reference. It won't hit with everyone. Uh, I don't know of other, other ways to say it. But uh, next man up, that whoever stands in the pulpit to proclaim Scripture has done the work, understands the text, has done the exegesis, and is going to strive to bring clarity to that passage. And, and so it, I, I want our people to know that it's not just one person who does that, but that it can be anyone who has done the work of exegesis. Yeah, yeah. So it's the focus of, of how you're doing the task rather than the personality right, doing it. Right, yeah. yeah. I think that's important, and I think that's what Colonial has been about since its beginning. But. I think one type of preaching that I've uh, heard several times is 
the sermon that's built off of the illustrations. So ah, uh, yes. a sermon that jumps from uh, story to story to story to story, and that like references the text to make uh-huh. points. Um, <laughs> but you know, oftentimes it's to stir emotions, to mm-hmm. capture a decision out of somebody. And so there are these really powerful stories that right. are told. Right. It's just not yeah. a story that comes out of the Bible. Right. And I think one of the, and, you know, maybe maybe it's a well-meaning intention is you don't want to be boring. You're, you're preaching the Bible. So you don't want to be a boring communicator. So you want the Bible to be alive and engaging. And I, I remember feeling that pressure a lot, especially when I was preaching with teens or young people. You want it to be something that just is riveting because you love the word. Uh, but sometimes the, you know, the sermon is being built off of the illustration uh, is, is a big problem, especially if that illustration doesn't really fit neatly. Have you ever like preached a sermon? You, you have this illustration and, links and you're your trying story. to fit it. You're putting phrases at the front and end of it just to make uh, it fit. Yeah, and it really doesn't. You like need clarifying at the yeah. beginning. Now it doesn't make perfect sense. Yeah. yeah or, or then you spend the time exegeting your illustration, your illustration. Yeah. <laughs> point yeah. number two of this illustration yeah. is <laughs> yeah so i hope you you sense as we're going through these what we strive not to do that you know i hope you see that we're not trying to be critical and we recognize that you know in our own preaching uh you could probably point the finger at each one of us from time to time but there's an accountability we're trying to build here among our staff that there, there's a certain way we go about so doing yeah this. like let's talk a little bit about that how pastor brent and you're you know you're the, the the pastor who preaches normally here at colonial how do you try to prevent yourself from preaching poorly what are things that you do for your week what are what are certain things like? How much time do you spend studying? Sure. Well, now that we're under that? coronavirus uh, restrictions, things at are this a little particular different. Particular point in time, things are a bit different. But um, you know, so I'll spend quite a bit of time uh, studying the text. Like and, how much on an estimate, just so people can get a, a frame? Um, I would say for a sermon, and I treat all sermons alike, whether it's to fifty people, a Sunday night, Sunday morning, whatever. Um, I would say at least fifteen hours. Um, it's actually way more than that. Yeah. He's just trying to be humble. <laughs> he doesn't like to say how much time he spends. Now, I would say I'm, I'm trying to thorough. put in that amount of time just because I want to really understand this text. And um, so, But some things I try to build in, and I think we all need to build in, is uh, the review of the sermon afterward. And so I ask the staff to review the sermon. Sometimes they feel more comfortable than at other times to actually speak their mind. Um you know, we've had some some people on staff who who definitely feel more comfortable than others about like doing that. But uh, I want to be reviewed because the goal is not that people would have a, a high opinion of any one person. The goal is that the text is clearly understood and communicated. Yeah, and that that really brings up one of the strengths of expositional preaching in my mind is that what we're trying to do in expositional preaching is hold up the author's words. And so that our, our congregation will tie their convictions to the author's words and not to our words. So, so the closer that we can stick to the text, the greater likelihood that our congregants are going to place their faith in the words of the author and not, not our creative way of saying I, things. Along this, I always love, uh, there's an old commentator, Leon Morris, who's with the Lord now. And on 1 Corinthians 2, that passage, it talks with, not with, you know, plausible words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and power. Leon Morris said that we should, we should, uh, we should preach the clear unvarnished setting forth of the word. 
And uh, this just stuck with me. I probably, I probably read that 25 years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think yeah, that's, that's what we strive to do. Uh, let me throw out there one more bad example. Um, so, and I, I think I can be guilty of this sometimes, is uh, what I strive not to do is to give like a running commentary, like a seminary discussion. I love seminary training. I've done it for a long time. I don't want it to just be a running commentary where I'm communicating everything I know. So you take like the wedding in, in John 2, in Cana of Galilee. So I don't want to impress the people with everything I know about Jewish weddings and brides and grooms. And, you know, then you get into stone pots, you know, water pots yeah, yeah. and how big they were and, you yeah. know, how much, how many gallons they could hold. Yeah. Uh, I've heard preaching like that. And there, I think you lose sight of the author's main argument again. So when you use that historical background, which could be helpful, I think we should be concise with it. And it's got to have the point of clarifying the meaning. Yeah, only talking about those things which help you understand yes. the text. Yeah. So then once we know what the text means, how in your mind do you uh, apply it to yeah. us in the pew? Right. What, what's that process I asked my wife. Like? She's really good at application. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so I just went to a pastor's uh, talk recently where it really stretched me because I think application is something I want to grow in as a preacher. And uh, so the, the leader of the talk said, uh, after you've done all your exegesis, you need to force yourself to stop and you need to pray and you need to think about your audience. And he suggested for like over an hour where you're, you, you've got all this exegesis in your mind, you now understand the text, but now you're thinking, and he's saying, do this before you even write the sermon because this can inform the way you present it. And so I've been trying to do that a little bit more regularly where you're thinking about each person uh, in your congregation or the different types of people in your congregation, backgrounds, genders, and life settings. And you're thinking about how might this text impact them or how should it stretch them? So, I mean, so that that's a lot of time. So you regularly preach, you know, without what we're going through now, you would regularly preach twice at yeah. least. Yeah, well, we're trying to limit that to two times. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so 30 hours mm-hmm. a week. Right. Right. Uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a serious amount of time spent yep. studying the Word. Yeah. yeah, or more. Yeah, that's not on your days off. Yeah, uh, and that's where the other guys coming in and preaching too, they share the load. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love to see, you know, as we continue to go, that, that all of us get opportunities to preach and teach. And when it's your week, you're, you're doing that. You're spending that 30 hours and you're prioritizing it because, I mean, if we truly believe that, uh, that, that the word of God contains the power, of the, the words of God and the power of God to change lives through the spirit, then we will give ourselves to it. And uh, that, if that means getting up early before anyone knows, if that means, you know, studying it when the kids go to bed later on, uh, so be it. It, it. I think it has to be a priority for us as preachers. Hmm. I think that's, that's one of the things I really admire, uh, you know, being on staff and kind of seeing the ins and outs. Uh, I work sometimes really closely on the sermon stuff, and um, uh, it, it kind of blows my mind how, how much you give yourself, how much the pastors give themselves to preaching. And, and it shouldn't because it's a biblical concept uh, to dedicate 
yourself to prayer and the preaching of the word. Um, and I think that's just is a testament to how essential the text is to what we believe God does through his word. If, if and pastors are responsible to shepherd. That's a big part of our job description. And I'm sure that we'll have opportunity to talk about that later. But uh, the church should know as well that one of the primary tasks, if not the, the primary task of a pastor, is to know the word, to pray through the word, pray through the congregation, and share that with the people. And so that has to be a priority for New Testament churches, that, they, that they're giving and expecting their pastor elders to be in the word, to know it, and to proclaim it. And there's a lot of thought that goes into how we do that. Yes. And what that looks yeah, like, yeah. specifically in expository preaching, expositional mm-hmm. preaching, uh, that matters. And there's been a lot of thought and time spent to come to that conclusion. And yeah. so I think this is really helpful for for you know members to hear about how you know you have structured, you guys have structured our church, mm-hmm. and how the predecessors before us have structured the church around this word. Yeah. Uh, so th- I think this is really cool. Um, any final closing remarks or comments? I just think, you know, for somebody who's maybe never heard anyone talk about expository preaching before, um, I would just encourage you, um, Pastor Brent does a great job modeling expository preaching for us. And so if you just go on the church website, Colonial Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, and just listen to some of Pastor Brent's sermons, and you're just going to see how he just walks right through the text and explains it clearly. And There's a really good example on the Gospel of John that you should look up to. It's a different preacher, but... Yeah, Pastor yeah. James there. Yeah, I might I might just add uh, to that. I would stress how important it is that you, um, that anyone um, prioritizes expositional preaching in their search for a, a community of believers to be a part mm-hmm. of. Um, that, was, that was big in my in my coming down here. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why people choose churches and leave churches. But I think when it comes to the method of handling God's word, that should be really our first concern in deciding Mm -hmm. where we're going to plant ourselves and be part of. That was, that was a big part of why I came down here too. So Mm -hmm. uh, I had, I had been in pastor Brent's uh, first Corinthians class in undergrad Mm. and then uh, eventually I received an invitation to come down here and it was an easy easy yes to come down mm. because I already knew the kind of uh, preaching that I would be getting there. And, mm. um, and you had good examples before this up in, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and in my undergrad, pastor, I had yeah. kind of a, a mixed bag throughout yeah. the chapel times. Okay. Right. Yeah. Of all yeah. these different yeah. styles of preaching. And it left me really confused about, yeah. so how do I get to the meaning of the text? Right. Cause there's so many different models, but, but really what, what served to clarify the value of expositional preaching, um, was just my faithful, Pastor, yeah, you have a faithful pastor in Wisconsin, Matt DeClean, yeah, Mar- he, Marinette, Wisconsin. Yeah, he, yeah. he just, it just, I remember his series through Romans so clearly. Just yeah. every Sunday, you'd be in the next text, walking through. This is what the author is trying to say, hmm. so we should do this. And yeah. the next, and I, I could see like what he was explaining was coming from the text of Scripture in my Bible, and the, yeah. so he was not a flashy preacher, but a faithful. Yeah careful yeah. exegete of the scripture. Right. And to me, that's just that that's what, uh, that's what we want to model, not that flashiness, but, uh, you know, and I think we can all point to times when we heard someone open up the Bible for us and through his communication of the scripture, God was speaking to us about things we needed to change or enhance or we, things we need to praise him about. And that's what we were trying to do at Colonial. I think last thing I wanted to add is I think 
the thing I appreciate the most about the thought you guys place into how we preach and how you focus and study is that you equip us as believers to study our own Bibles. Mm-hmm. So the way you structure a sermon, the way you compute your conclusions, the way you find your material that you speak is something that a member yep. who's empowered by the Spirit can also do. There, There isn't this, you know, patented, trademarked, you know, special secret knowledge no, that no. a pastor has that someone in the pew can't have. And I think the way you preach uh, and the way you stress your structure and you organize what you say uh, teaches us how to open mm. our Bibles and read and read well. Because yeah. ultimately, we want every member to be engaging in God's Word and figuring right. out what the author intended for us to know. And mm. and so I think the way we, you guys preach helps us to do that. And I think that's really special. I agree, Ben. That, I think that's a great thought because, you know, in my younger days, there was a time where I would have heard a gifted communicator and I would walk away thinking, boy, I would have never seen that there. As a, meaning <laughs> as a compliment, and, right? Thinking that is a good thing. And now I realize that, you know, I want to, as I'm listening to somebody preach, I want to be thinking, oh, I see that in the text. It's right yeah, I, there. I could have seen that. I mm. see that. Yeah. That's yeah. thrilling. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been really helpful. Uh, Thanks for joining us today for this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Um, Next week, we're going to dive into what's the difference between preaching and teaching, because there's a lot of teaching that goes on that uses the text. And then we train people with the text. So what does that look like? How do we do that colonial? Um, So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you listen to our three previous episodes if you haven't heard them. And uh, we'll look forward to next time on the Church Essentials podcast.